When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, well, well. Look who's here. Huh. Fancy seeing you. As I live and breathe. By... The stars in the sky, if it isn't <laughs> us. <laughs> That's right. You didn't see this coming, nope. but here we are. You didn't see it coming because it was so far away, you couldn't see it coming because it That's took a long right. time. Everyone who heard us announce that we were coming back has now passed away. Yeah, because we said <laughs> see at the end of the summer, and then we switched schools because our parents are in the military, and then That's you never right. saw us again, but then we came back for college with a new haircut and a fast mm-hmm. car, and everyone's like, whoa, who's that? That's right. We did stay as sweet as we were. Yep. We stayed cool. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we did not see you next year. We did we saw not you see you next year. <laughs> next, 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 next year. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Paul F. Tompkins. I'm one of the hosts of Star Trek The Pod Directive. I am Tawny Newsom. I am apparently one of the other hosts of Star Trek The Pod Directive, and there are no other hosts. That's right. We've narrowed it down to two. And (laughs) And every episode's a contest. Yes, that's right. (laughs) And we are the finalists. So we still haven't won. Yeah. But we're here. And but we're we thrilled continue to, be to here. win. Yes, we're thrilled to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, such a great season coming up. Um, the show is going to be, it's Tuesday, uh, which means Star Trek The Pod Directive, unless it's next Tuesday, which means mm-hmm. it does not mean that. But the following Tuesday, it means Star Trek The Pod Directive. We come out every other Tuesday, is what we're saying. Yep, every other Tuesday, which some people say is bi-weekly, and I quibble with that. I quibble with bi-weekly being used as every other. I think it means twice a week. I know, I know. And it does. It means both, which is- uh, that, uh, that cannot that's be. It's faulty. It's faulty. What a way to get somebody- If you're trying to get uh, new shoes put on your horse and you say, come bi-weekly, this man's going to show up on Tuesday and Friday when really you wanted him to show up in a fortnight. <sighs> I really, I don't know if it was the speed that I said that, but I did something bad to Paul with that. No, you did something good. I uh, look, I love, I love to hear about a Fortnite, and uh, that's not in a video game context. You're right. Um, guys, we're, we're thrilled to be back. We're thrilled to be back twice per month on Tuesdays. That's how I'm going to say it. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't tell you how enjoyable this season has already been for us to talk yeah. to you fellow fans and scholars and comedy people. Um, it's just been, it's its so great. I love doing this. And this episode uh, was so much fun. What better way to, to jump back on to the old pod waves than with Jonathan Frakes, mm. uh, who is just uh, a, a true character, this guy. Full of life. Full so, of I mean, joie de vivre. Joie de vivre. Je ne sais quoi. L'esprit de Scalier. Ah, la croix. I don't know a lot of French. <laughs> but this man is so cool. If you've ever, if you're a fan of Star Trek at all, you know that yeah. this man is the coolest. He's the king. He's and yeah. he's just such a fun. Uh, yeah, he's just such a fun presence. And what a fun first interview for us to be back. I think all of our excitement was high. We're talking about his career. We're talking about weird stuff he's done in his career that I don't. Some things I don't know that he's talked about on mic before. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we have the scoop. We didn't scoop any anything. Or did we? we? Just, I, I don't know. You'll have I'm to listen saying. to find out. <laughs> you will. 
But yeah, it was super fun. Paul, what are you most looking forward to? And you can decide out of this season, you can decide if this is a question about if this is like a sneaky question and it's things we've already done or Ooh. if it's actually something we haven't done yet. Ooh, that is intriguing. I'm going to say, uh, and this is, look, I'm going to throw this out there. Throw it. Talking to people on that Star Trek cruise. Oh, yeah, man. At the time of recording, we're about to embark on the Star Trek cruise imminently. Now, this is my first one. Is it your first one as well? This is my first Star Trek cruise and only my second ever cruise. (laughs) How do you say cruise? Cruise. Oh, I believe it's pronounced cruise. Cruise. How how you say cruise? Cruise. Is this your first cruise? I have been on uh, crusades before, but not this particular crusade. And I am very much looking forward to it. I have my cruise wear all ready to go. Oh my god! I, we uh, we need a quick. We have a couple minutes. I need to hear what the cruise wear is. Oh, you're going to see some blazers with piping. You're going to see some nautical caps. Blazers Don't you worry about it. We're going to Mexico in the spring. It's going to be hot. We're only there oh, for a God day. Bless God bless you. <laughs> No, the the boat will still be in Mexico, sir. Yes, I know. But then okay. what, but that's just for the day and then we'll be on the high seas coming back. I know, but I mean it still is the waters of Me- I'm just saying, the part of the <laughs> world that you're in. <laughs> uh, the last I mean I know you're a suit guy. I know Paul's a suit guy, but blazer with piping. Most people they say cruise wear and they mean like some fun printed shorts that have like Bart Simpson on them and like No, sh- absolutely not. A shirt that says, like, don't talk to me, my internet's out, and the tequila's in, or whatever. absolutely not. (laughs) Not You don't want a shirt that says, uh, uh, I'm offline, uh, I'm offline, but I'm in line for another margarita. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want a shirt that says, out of office reply, and it's just Garfield with sunglasses on it. Yeah, I I didn't think you were going to hit on one one that I wanted, but that is the one that I want. That one you want. You want the Garfield out of office one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can find it. (laughs) <laughs> don't don't talk to me till i've had my lasagna there you go yeah again yeah. just a hot lasagna a hot oh piping Mexican hot lasagna lasagna on a boat <laughs> what, what oh man I well you know there's you. a lot of there's a lot of things on a cruise that take place indoors i know but i'm still just i guess you're right i'm i'm underestimating the vastness of this boat and the and the air conditionedness you're right yeah they also make cl- cl- blazers that you could wear in warm weather <laughs> Okay, all right. I admit I'm in the wrong here. I'm yeah. in the wrong. I'm picturing you just standing on a, a baking sun deck in yeah. a blazer eating a steaming plate of lasagna. That's right. I'm in a parka with the, with the fur around the hood. I got it zipped yep. all the way up, periscope style. Yeah. So what we're saying is we are ready for the cruise. <laughs> we are very well equipped for it. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, I'm super excited about it. I'm excited to like see all the fans. I've yeah. been loving the conventions, so... I'm excited for a, a floating convention on the sea. I was thinking, and I, I forget who I was talking to. Maybe I was talking to you about this, that it's like, uh, for me, my connection to Trek is so, feels very remote uh, because I, I do this and I pop up on Lower Decks every once in a while. And I felt like I'll be relatively invisible on this thing. Mm-mm. And then, uh, and then I was disabused of that notion. Yeah, no, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> I've told you this, but people come up to me at cons to tell you things. Uh, <laughs> I'm and you've relate, you've relayed every single one. I do. I write them down. <laughs> I relay them. Um, okay. Well, we should s- semi-properly introduce our incredible guest. Yes. Jonathan Frakes. You know him as William T. Riker. You know him as Tom Riker. That's uh, right. <laughs> you know him as... Uh, uh, I don't know, the king of Trek. He he has directed over 100 episodes of television in yeah. general. Uh, he's the director of my favorite Star Trek film, First Contact. Mm-hmm. He is uh, just a, an all-around fantastic guy and really our is. friend. And we had a great time talking to him. Well, please listen to us chat with noted trombonist, Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> and author. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! We are here and we are thrilled. 
Paul. I am thrilled. I can tell you are thrilled. I am thrilled. I am thrilled. Our well, guest is thrilled. <laughs> we have a quorum. This is wonderful. Oh, this is perfect. Our guest, you know him, you love him. It's Jonathan Frakes. It is William Yee-ha! Riker. Oh my <laughs> goodness, sir. And you're a cowboy now. You are a cowboy. Always been. Oh, that's Aww. good to know. Uh, we can't thank you enough for being here. We're such fans. Um, I guess you're, you know, you're, you're kind of like Trek royalty. So thank you for gracing us with your presence. Absolutely. You think I really am Trek royalty? Yeah, I of do. course. If not around. you, then who? Bill. Well, well, he can't be the only guy. George. You can't be Trek. Well, Sir Patrick, obviously. Of course. Well, I said royalty, not like, the, the, look, yeah. it's not a linear monarchy. There's a lot of dukes and <laughs> yeah. duchesses, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. You're some kind of a, 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 a count. I've, <laughs> been, I've, been, I've, been a, I've been a count. I've been around 35 <laughs> years on this show. Yeah, you've also directed 70 television episodes, more than 70 television episodes. I haven't been in 70 television episodes, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yet, that's right. See, look at it positively, Tony. I've directed 100 episodes of television. You've directed 100? I'm very proud to have that number. It's amazing. And I, know. I wanted to know, was directing always in the cards for you? Like when you started out as an actor, was that something that you always assumed that you would do at one point? Or was that something that came to you um, after a while? That came to me after a while because as an actor, as we all know, there's a lot of sitting around. Yes. Right? I believe Robert Mitchum gets credit for the... Um, they pay me to wait. I act for free line, which I've always <laughs> thought is great. And yeah. you can only take so many naps. I mean, Brent Spiner's a great napper. I was a pretty good napper. Oh, that's good but to the, know. Th- there was a lot of, uh, you know, and this was before we had a 13 or 14 hour day, hour a day limit. We could just go. They just went on infinitum. So when I was done napping and I was done sitting around, I spent, I went back in the set always and hung out. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty clear that the hub of the set was where the, the director was and a cinematographer and there's, you know, and I knew nothing about being a cinematographer. So I, mm-hmm. and I love uh, actors and I speak mm-hmm. actor. So I, I asked Rick Berman, who was the keeper of all things Star Trek at this point. And he said, you can shadow, you shadow all these guys and I'll get permission. And then I felt this was in the middle of season one and I didn't get an episode until the middle of season three. Wow. So, so I was so well prepared to direct an yeah. episode of T. I didn't know much about editing, and I was able to spend like three hours, 100 hours in the editing room with these guys, uh, Letterman and then Tom Benko and others who also wanted to direct. So they were, I was kind of thrust upon them. And then I was able to go to pre production and go to visual effects meetings and go not to story breaks, but to uh, um, tone meetings and uh, budget meetings. And it was in casting, and it opened up. Everything was available, and the most exciting was to go to the scoring sessions because this Ooh. we still had an 80-piece orchestra oh, at the yeah. par- and the Paramount Amazing. soundstage. Yeah. And this, this is all behind the walls of Paramount, which was like walking around, you know, Sunset Boulevard and uh, Godfather and all those familiar locations are all on that lot. So it was a, kind of a dreamy situation. Yeah, it's like movie history stuff. Um, you said something, you said that you speak actor and I, you are such an actor's director. You're such a like, and you're such a good like comedy director. We obviously got to work together on the Strange New Worlds crossover. It was my first time working with you. And I knew, cause everybody talks about what a fun, great guy you are, but it, it takes something really special to be able to like really talk to actors and especially for people trying to do comedy in this weird hybrid thing that wasn't really mm-hmm. supposed to be comedy. I was dying um, to do comedy. Also, you know, you different. You speak to different actors differently. I was yeah. comfortable. I was comfortable with you from the moment you got there, and I knew from Jack. He said, "Tawny is just like me." So I had, and I, I fell for Jack. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> I felt Jack. I felt really hard for Jack Quaid when he came on. As I what guess. a lovely endorsement from anyone to say about their co-star. Like, oh, this this Paul F. Tompkins, just like me. You're gonna love him. Just, yeah, you love that, me. You're he, gonna love Paul F. <laughs> exactly. He was so confident that he's that the, from having spent a few days together. He said, I can tell from the vibe that, that you're going to love Tony. It's going to be great. And then, mm. and then, you know, then the three of us took over with. We were a with, mess. With, with Kat, who was on our team. Yeah. It was a coup. 
It was a coup. We, we took over that set. I feel bad about it, but we did no, great. I'm very boy, excited for people to see it. Wait you see the episode. The episode is spectacular, and it never stops. It rolls and rolls and rolls. I'm excited. Did, waiting until Having to wait until season three to direct an episode, do you feel... I'm sure you were... Um, you were champing at the bit to go, but do you were you grateful for the extra time uh, to observe and to learn before you jumped in the chair, or were you did you feel like you were ready to go right away? Yeah, I was more than grateful, and I'll tell you a little anecdotal point because I was um, when I was on when I was at when I was on a call, it was easier for me to to hang around and then either go in early or stay late. But there were days when you know because we had a seven or eight regulars, there were days that you were on hold. And I remember I was living with Jeannie in her house and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be going in today. There's a, she said, that's exactly what they're waiting for. And she was so right. She said, that's just what they're waiting for is for you to even show a little a tiniest little lack of interest. And they'll be, they'll be able to say, fuck, finally, we don't have to give them a show. So I got, I, I got, I got in the car and I went there and I stuck it out. And then when they finally did give me an episode, it happened to be a data episode, which are kind of bulletproof because he's an astounding character and astounding yeah. actor. It was um, Renea Chavaria who became one of the showrunners on Deep yeah. Space and then on Castle. It was his spec script. Wow. Which had been submitted and accepted. And uh, Whoopi was in it. I mean, there were a lot of things going for it. And I had this kind of wonderful team support from the crew i mean the sound department gave me a megaphone that the whole company had signed for me to do old school directing with wow oh. <laughs> which i still have it was that's really, fantastic yeah it was a it was a very very good lavar always calls it catching lightning in the bottle it was that kind of experience for me and the fact that that one went well allowed me to get another one and then because mm -hmm. we did 26 a year as you probably know we did 26 yeah. episodes a year which was insane and they're not all home runs ever yeah it's hard you got to have some filler in there you got yeah, exactly it's really it is wild to think about that network model and how you know kind of complex shows uh involve shows were forced to do all of this content that it's like if they only if they could do like four less it, every episode would be a gem you know but it's it's it, the the demands were such that you just had to know that sometimes it's like this one's not going to be that great. Yeah, or they do what they—not a bottle show. What would they call it? A clip show. Oh yeah. Like one of the at the yeah. ends of one of the seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that horrible where uh, Riker was having brain surgery or some bullshit. And they had right. They used memory clips from other shows. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's like let's remember all the times we uh, we celebrated a birthday or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See yeah, all yeah, these yeah. clips. Right. <laughs> I kind of like those. <laughs> um, we, you know, we just did some of the uh, commentary for uh, Lower Deck season three, some of the DVD commentary, and uh, Frakes and I were talking about, or rather, Mike McMahon and I were talking to you, Jonathan, about how we love First Contact. First Contact is, in my opinion, I for me, it's the best Trek film, um, but it's often it's so cited as the best film to get non Trekkies into. Yes. Yeah, was that like a was that a goal when you started making it? Was that a mandate? How'd you do that? That was a goal. It may not have been a mandate, but because it was sort of like a horror movie, mm -hmm. it, yeah. and you really didn't have to know a lot about the history of Picard and Riker and Troy, and the Borg were a fucking villain, 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 and we had Alice yeah. Krieger, which didn't hurt. The script, it was Ron Moore and Brandon Braga kind of at the top of their game, so the script was bulletproof, and then... I was able to ask Alfred, my godmother, to be the guest lead. And then we got Jamie Cromwell, as we were talking about earlier, who did Jessica Moff, Babe, and Alice. So we had the three great guest stars who yeah. were able to play up there at the Patrick Stewart level. I had a cinematographer named Matt Leonetti, who was a big movie guy. I'd never done a movie before. So there was, again, it was this, there was so much positive energy. And Berman was so supportive. And we were all so psyched because the script was and, you know, the script really, really was tight. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of leak-proof and bulletproof and moved. And it was, you know, professionally, it was <laughs> it was all downhill for me as a movie director from that <laughs> point on. Because we did, <laughs> in, Insurrection was okay. I love mm -hmm. Insurrection. I'll hear no Insurrection slander, not even from you, sir. Really? What about the <laughs> Baku didn't let any black people or Jews into their city? And there was well, hey, no look, we all look. We can pick apart everything. All right, no track is perfect. <laughs> 
I just liked how young everybody was and Picard with that open leather jacket. Oh, he just an open had, blazer. Uh, guns, man. He had those guns out climbing off the We also had F. Murray Abraham, who was great in uh, Insurrection. Yeah. I want to jump to a weird topic. Please. Uh, I just read in this uh, thing that our lovely producer Kendra wrote for us that you used to dress up as Captain America for <laughs> events as an official Marvel character actor. Explain yourself. I had a dear friend named Charlie Davis, who I uh, knew from the early days in New York, who knew somebody at Marvel, 575 Madison Avenue. And he was uh, called in to play Spider-Man. And they went over and they fit him for a costume. They gave him a Spider-Man costume. And he went out to a couple of uh, comic book stores. And then they said, we're looking for a guy to do Captain America. He said, oh, I got a friend. So... Spidey and I, Charlie Davis and I, would go to the Marvel offices, go to the eighth floor, and sign out these costumes that they built. You know, with the garbage <laughs> can lid and these big uh, red, <laughs> red, red leather boots and the the skin tight uh, sort of spandex suit. Yeah. And we we'd have a an itinerary and a coach seat, by the way, to like uh, Omaha <laughs> or Chicago or somewhere. And we'd go into two comic book stores, two Seven Elevens. And then we'd break for lunch, and then we'd come back and we'd do something at the Walmart. You know, it was that kind of shit. It was, and we got paid 50 bucks a day. Wow. And uh, I was, there was a, and if you worked in Chicago, they had something called Andy Frains, which were like rent-a-cops. Mm-hmm. And I had a rent-a-cop driving this rented Ford Taurus. And I would get, when we'd get close to the 7-Eleven, we'd open the trunk, I'd get the garbage can, the, uh, the shield out. Mm-hmm. And I'd get up on the roof of the car, on the hood of the car, <laughs> and he'd drive me up into the parking lot. And I, you know, I was now Captain America going to this comic book store. And I was about, <laughs> I was about six four, maybe one eighty. Nothing, not a, not a gun on me. So they looked sort of askance, and that was, you know, it was odd. And but there were two, two really cool things that came out of the uh, experiences of working as Captain America. Or two that I can share with you. One was we were we were doing a. Uh, <laughs> I would we love doing... to hear the ones you can't share with us later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, off camera. give me the off mic ones. <laughs> anyway, we were doing a uh, comic book convention at Madison Square Garden, and we're selling shit and standing around the Marvel booth. And the manager of Blood, Sweat, and Tears came up to us <laughs> nice. and said, "You guys want to go see Blood, Sweat, and Tears at the Met tonight at Lincoln Center?" I said, "Yeah." They said, but you guys got to come in costume because Bobby Colomby, who is the drummer of the Blood, Sweat, and Tears, is a massive, massive Marvel fan. And if you guys would come to the concert and run down the aisle and get on stage during one of our songs, it would be great. And Charlie and I were stoked. We thought, this is going to be awesome. So we did our comic book gig, and they were going to pay us like another whole fee to go to this thing, and that was great. So we went to the the garden, from the garden to, uh, to the Lincoln Center, with our, you know, silly costumes on, mm-hmm. ran down to surprise Bobby Columby. We're invited to the after party, which was at uh, one of those cool cafes across the street there in the West Village or in the Upper West Side. And it turns out the advantage of being Captain America over the over being Spider Man is what your part of your face is still showing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can drink. <laughs> oh. Captain America drink, and Spider-Man's got a fucking uh, gauze pad over his mouth. And he was furious. Incredible. We were invited to the Rosalind and uh, Amy Carter, Mm -hmm. Jimmy Carter's wife and child, environmental lawn party at the White House. Oh. So all of a sudden, from driving into 7-Elevens, we went to the White House with Stan and there was a Hulk there, and it was all, so that that was kind of cool. Uh, we were sent a picture, and there's you and Spider Woman with uh, the First Lady and Amy Carter. Spider Man's down there, the Green Goblin, uh, and the Hulk. These obviously these are before like the super pro Marvel suits they have today, because these masks are threatening to envelop your faces. Yeah, they're insane. Like they this are was not, 19- they're not. They're clearly not bespoke. No, and I went. I, I had to do another event in New York one time, and I had forgotten my uh, my whatever they're called, Captain America wings that they mm-hmm. that sort of clipped onto the to the helmet, like cowl or whatever, the cowl. And I remember I had to call my girlfriend. She got the she got the clip on things and got in a cab and we came back by this hotel and dropped them out the window. And I put a 
It was a great. It was wild. It was night. It was the seventies in New York. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So now, when you go to a con, you have a you have a special understanding of cosplayers when you see oh, those people. Such appreciation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My agent, who I finally got, was so embarrassed that this was something I did. She said, "I really prefer you to go back to your furniture moving job, so I don't <laughs> have to keep answering questions about you pretending to be Captain America." Uh, I want you to go back to your furniture moving. That's bad when your agent's like hey it's yeah, not worth it this is not Go worth it for else. us <laughs> she then sent me out and i got a, a job as um santa claus in the uh in the santa claus <laughs> factory where they have you know everybody in town signs up to be santa claus and they decide where they're going to send you to work <laughs> so, uh -huh. so, uh -huh. <laughs> so again this is the 70s and i'm going I, i'm, I'm six four maybe going 180 185 I don't really look like Santa. My beard wasn't white. I was, yeah. So I was assigned to Lord and Taylor. You know what Lord and Taylor is? Mm, oh, yeah. Sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Lord and Taylor, first of all, has no toy store. <laughs> no toy department. <laughs> no nothing for kids. So I was in the, uh, in the luggage department on the second floor of Lord and Taylor on 33rd and 5th Avenue. And because the Santa factory, they give you a bag with your Santa suit in it. Uh -huh. Lord, Lord and Taylor was embarrassed by the quality of the Santa suit. Oh. So they had a, they, this happened to them every year. So they had pre-made this gorgeous red flannel suit with wow. white rabbit fur mm -hmm. <laughs> around the neck. And the, so, and, but kids had just been definitely on Schwartz and make, they've been to real scenes, real Santa Claus. Yeah. They yeah. come up to see me, and their parents drag him through the luggage store. I said, "There's Santa." He said, "No, no, that's not Santa Claus." The kids were saying, "He doesn't even look like Santa Claus." <laughs> oh damn! I don't know if that's a drag or a compliment. I don't really know. <laughs> oh. I guess you don't want to look that much like Santa. I Claus. guess not. And it, but as know, an actor, you want to be believed. You want to be you believed. playing a character. Yeah. You yeah. want to transform. That's true. <laughs> I guess. You want to transform. Uh, speaking of transformations, Jonathan, Ooh, do you nice still transition. Feel Right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is this is what it's the all king about. Of podcasts. The king Ooh. of podcasts. Um you have said uh that you were were in movie uh, you were in movie directing jail. Do you still feel that you are in that uh in that movie uh, jail cell? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Sure. First contact was a massive financial success. Insurrection was a, a moderate financial success. Clock stoppers made a lot of money for what it was made for and it's a delightful movie and then i was given this big movie at universal called thunderbirds which um was very expensive and which uh should have been put out in spring for kids but people decided oh it's gonna be so good we'll just put it out in the summer and was put out against um shrek and spider-man oh, and damn. it and it really really took a shit and right. i didn't know how specifically the director is given the responsibility for the success or failure of a movie. Cause in TV, it's really the writer's medium, you right. know, and you come in and out and you're a little bit anonymous and you're kind of a guest. Even as an actor, you're kind of a guest and it's, you're really blamed. But <laughs> this movie was a, a, a train wreck financially. And I was never offered another movie and I was never asked to interview. Well, I may be interviewed, but so I went back to, um, to Maine, where we had a house, and we took our because we were living on the dole in London, three mm. years to make this movie. Both wow. of my kids started school there. We had a fantastic flat in the vicarage. We had a driver. We we were living like high off the hog. Mm. The movie took a shit that all went away, mm. and uh, our house in L.A. was rented. So we moved. We had this place in Maine. We took the kids to Maine. I was licking my wounds. I was feeling sorry for myself, naturally, and. We lived there for three years and somewhere in the first year, Dean Devlin, who was an actor, producer, Independence Day, Dean Devlin. Yeah. Mm. And I sort of knew because we had worked on developing stuff. He said, do you want to come and do a TV movie for me in Africa? And I thought, oh, my God. And it was starring Noah Wiley and it was the librarians beginning of that librarians oh, franchise. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, he essentially got me out of movie jail and put me back on TV. And I have been grateful. I happen to think the timing has been great because it's a it's a great time to be in television. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Honestly, yeah. I'm like, would you trade it? Movies seem so No, because uh, it's tumultuous. movies. Take, well, yeah, and they take your heart and soul for a year mm. and then they have yeah. a weekend to I mean that first weekend, that's no that's no bullshit. That's the weekend that it happens in. Yeah. yeah. And, and if it doesn't happen and you put your heart and soul and blood and guts and tears and all that shit. Yeah. A bad episode of TV you can get over. It's a month of your life and it sucked, it's over. And if it's great, you're proud of it and it lives on. Yeah. Okay, wait, we've heard that there are uh, there's a lot of extra footage and scenes from Insurrection, that there's a director's cut that hasn't been like released anywhere. Do, do you know what that is? Do you know what that stuff is? I don't. Well, no. can you guess? <laughs> uh, I know we took Armin, Armin out of it. I remember in First Contact, we thought it was oh, such really? a clever idea to put Bob Picardo in as the... Uh, yeah, AI the doctor, doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, that, that great. and that beat was quite wonderful with the board. So I guess we were trying to repeat history, and we we had Armin in uh, inter. I think he intervened in a walk and talk with Donna Murphy and Patrick, and oh, wow. it was and it just apparently shit the bed. So we had to take him <laughs> out of the movie. So before the premiere, I had to call Armin and say, "No oh. real reason, no real reason for you to show up tonight." Because uh, oh no. Uh, so, luckily I've gotten that call good before. Friends. Oh, that you've been cut out of things? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got the call. For two things on the same day, I got an email and a call on oh. the same day for two different things. And I was like, I wish you guys oh. knew each other so you could have waited and like somebody yeah. take tomorrow. <laughs> or you could have called together. That We've got a two-bagger for you here. That's Maybe true. Just do this at one time. Yeah. I got cut out of something once and the director uh, came to, we, we both hung out at... Um, this uh this uh club this nightclub um and i would perform there and, and he would go see all these shows and everything and i was about to go on stage and he suddenly appeared um next to me at the stage door and he said hey i wanted to come down and tell you i'm really sorry but i had to cut you out of the movie and Ooh. i said oh you know i understand i i i appreciate that i mean i i can see where my part could go and he said yeah so sorry about that um and uh i'm not going to Stay and watch your set, so I won't be here when you get off. Oh, I was like, well, damn. You, you know, there's still such a thing as lying. You didn't, yeah. wow. you didn't have to yeah, say that. You could have lied to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Too, I, I'm all for radical honesty, but everybody get a little less radical. A little less radical. Radical, radical candor. Yeah, yeah. The way of radical candor. Is that what it is? Absolute candor? Absolute candor. Absolute, absolute candor. candor. Sorry, I don't mean to well actually your Trek knowledge. <laughs> I don't mean to gatekeep. No, but that's, I love that phrase. That was Shabon, Michael Shabon. Oh, yeah. Did he coin that? And that's for specifically which type of Romulans? I don't remember. The Kawat Malat. Ha! Ah, you got Dude. me. The nuns you got me. that raised uh, Elnor. Yeah, 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 and Picard. Okay, so let's flex to Picard. I know you're probably sick of talking about season three of Picard. You're probably doing, you're about to do so much press for it that yeah, maybe it's, we're it's the- so, it's so worth it. I just got to yeah. see the first four episodes because I went to do Ready Room. It's it's a blast. I'm so it's, excited. I, I am too. I, I hope I don't overhype it. But I'm so it's so thrilling to see. It's a it's weird to see everybody. I mean, I'm 70 and I'm we're all 70, except Lavar, like he's like 68, 69. Everybody's wow. fucking old in the movie or in the show. I, <laughs> I mean, really, it. really old. Since when has there been a, a cast of regulars on a show with that many I know. people? Like over yeah. 50 even. I know. That's yeah. so rare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everybody looks good, which is nice. And everybody looks Dorn, Dorn looks mm-hmm. fabulous as the new wharf is great. Yeah, we like white-haired wharf. That's a good. That's a good. Yeah, move. that's a great look, and Lavar looks great, and he's great in it too. It's all good, and it's been it's been fun to press to do the pressers yeah. on it. I love seeing. I love going back and watching those episodes where, like, uh, back in TNG, where y'all would like flash forward to your quote unquote old selves. Yes. <laughs> and now, see what yeah. y'all look like now. Y'all look so much better now than what you oh, thought man. when you were like thirty. What, what you thought you yeah. were gonna look like? You all look so like frail and like the wigs are all bad. The wigs like, are all yeah. We have a lot of <laughs> lot more lines than you ever have. Yeah. 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 No, That's everybody's funny. like spry and healthy and looks cool. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to be in a cast like that is a thing that that not not every actor gets to be a part of that. And right. it's a rare thing to get to be uh, a part of a cast where you are going to be friends with these people for life. Every time you see them is just like the last time you saw them and everybody's happy to see everybody. Um, 
I, yeah, I but they're like, not all they're not all like that. You you No, exactly. It's yeah, like that's a rare to. thing, you know. Because it, the old the old saw is that you work on a production, you become a little family uh, for the time of the production. Then, but yeah. it's it's very rare that people stick together after that, that stay in touch and you know exactly. So it's, it's but, usually like doing a run of a play where we're yeah, together yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you live in each other's life for the for the run of the play for rehearsal and, and until the play closes. And um, again, the uh, the show has been blessed by this. A lot of us are not just friends but really really close friends still yeah and it's um yeah. it's kind of wonderful and when as soon as you said friends then i understood what you were talking because it's i've been we've all been on shows where people can't bear each other you know yeah. <laughs> absolutely <Yeah>. so yeah <laughs> yeah it really only takes one person to ruin the vibe and yeah yeah you know you're you're lucky if you if you have just a kind of calm you know sort of production and everybody gets along but to to go for it to go that extra step where you, these people are in your life is uh, a very rare thing, and it's a very very fortunate thing to have. Well, I think one of the things that happened with our show is that when we were cast, the only people that anybody knew were Will Wheaton, who had been in Stand by Me, who was what fourteen or something, thirteen. So he was a kid, and Lavar, who was uh, Kunta, mm -hmm. and Reading Rainbow. So Lavar had already was a brand already, mm -hmm. but that was it. And nobody knew who Marita was, and Gates changed her name, and uh, Dorney, and you know, Dorney had been on Chips. It was Brent was Brent and I had done a play Shit. reading together. We knew we, it was just you know, it was a cast right. of people who were really grateful that this pilot season turned out the way it did. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Wait, was this part of a pilot season? Oh yeah, this was a just. <sighs> I mean, I I was uh, I've told you this before. I was very naive about the the sort of cultural iconacy, if that's yeah. the word. Of the of the franchise, my mm -hmm. genie had a poster of uh, Kirk on her wall as a kid, so she knew, right? But I was either naive, sci-fi was not my thing. Yeah, something about it, which it may have helped me, I think, not to have Probably, put it up right? on, a, on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um, it. It sounds really similar to a lot of the Strange New Worlds cast. Like a lot of them were kind of passing fans or kind of had a passing familiarity, but. A lot of them were sort of freshish faces and didn't have a ton of, yeah. you know, f fandom behind them that probably mm -hmm. just brings a really fresh. I don't know. I'm clearly the fucking opposite. So I, I you guess are just exactly like, the opposite. You are so deep uh, in. I'm like, huh? I wonder what that's like to just come at this fresh and not know. Well, what you're like a, you're are. like an you're like a Star Trek archivist. You are a, mm -hmm. a go to even more than McMahon. I'm not really. I think it's honestly, it's because it's part of it is hosting this podcast. Like we get little cheats and we get help. There's also just like a, a recency and immediacy because I've been, you know, uh, doing the show so recently. And because our show is so, Lower Decks is so referential oh, yeah. that we're yeah. constantly referencing things. So I'm going back and rewatching things. It's just top of mind. Yeah. Lower Decks made me go back and rewatch uh, like Deep the original Space. series I hadn't seen since I was a kid. Yeah. Deep Space I did a rewatch recently. I'd never seen Enterprise. And so I watched all of that. That was fun. Getting um, Paul's text. I think the about only thing I have left is yeah. <laughs> I would text on every once in a while. Like, be like, what this show is this? This, sh this show's getting too horny right now. Yeah. We had Enter like, we had Enterprise awesome. references in the uh, crossover episode of Strange New Worlds. Yeah, we did. Oh, really? We do. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. We do. We cannot say what they are. That was no. a big spoiler, but that was cool. That's cool for me. And I think Enterprise fans will be really honored. Yeah, I do too. Um, wait, so Jonathan, what was your first contact with Star Trek? Do you remember the first episode you watched or roughly? I remember going to a v to the uh, Blockbuster and renting a bunch of the original series. I remember the trouble with Tribbles, obviously, and the one with uh, mm -hmm. Frank Gorshin where he had half his face yes, with black and yes. half his face with white. That was my favorite. Mm -hmm. Those are the two that come to mind. Oh, gosh. Okay, so you weren't like coming at it like a huge fan, as you said. You just had kind of this passing familiarity no, i just tripped I, out it was part of a pilot season that's wild to me i know i know yeah. and but it was also i mean this is an old trope i auditioned seven times over six weeks to get to spark wow you've heard this before what i mean i haven't i didn't hear it was seven seven times i went to see the casting director judy lowry and then i went to see rick and then i went to see gene and i'll bore you with some of the details star trek the next generation was the first scripted drama made directly for syndication oh, oh right that's which right. served two, which served two purposes 
it meant they could only have to pay us 40% of SAG minimum for residuals. <laughs> and Got it to meant, love it, this business. And then it oh. meant that it was sold to 237 separate channels around the country because Roddenberry didn't want to be on a network. Yeah. So at Paramount, there were different level echelon management people who had to approve the cast. Mm. So hence the fifth and sixth and seventh audition. And by that time, Roddenberry was sort of pro Jonathan Frakes. It was um, a wonderful actor named Billy Campbell. Do you know who he is? Oh, the sure. Yeah, the he's Rocketeer. Yeah. He and I were the kind of, we were the last two standing for Riker. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a different Riker that would have been. Yeah. He's he's wonderful, though. He would have been. Great, he he yeah. was on the show. He came on as um, the outrageous Okana. Yeah. Okana. 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 And he did a little cameo in Lower Decks. I mean, I don't think his voice was used. I think we just saw him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was in Prodigy. They use that character Billy. in Prodigy. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, the uh, outrage. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Um, Yeah, so any interest in, speaking of Prodigy and Lower Decks, I don't really know how directing for animation works. Uh, I don't either. I learned a lot <laughs> being with you, with you guys. Yeah, because like our sessions are kind of just run by Mike. Yeah, they're run by Mike. And I learned when I went in to do to play Riker, he runs it a little differently than... Uh, I had been on a show called Gargoyles, which was run by um, a guy named Jamie. You'll get his name for me, I'm sure. But he he ran it with the same kind of loosey-goosey, but he didn't have the heightened energy that Mike had. Yeah. Mike is like being on a sitcom where he yells, try it this way, say this, try this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is, I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's similar to how you call action. Yeah, I, it's but that's about, <laughs> the, uh, the, the nice thing about <laughs> post-production that you were involved in with us was that when we were, I was, they gave me the courtesy of being part of the directing of the animated parts of the of the uh, crossover show. Uh-huh. When in fact, it was Mike's show and Mike's actors. So I sat and and uh, kind of observed and, and encouraged and learned. It was mm-hmm. very good for me to see how, how, uh, how he works. And he's yeah. having an incredible, he's in a big, career success growth period right now yeah he's doing now i'm sorry i do have to i do have to ask because i'm not i've not been privy to this experience yet uh knock on wood that i uh, someday i will but how do you call action it seems like there's something very specific about it that i haven't heard and action please that is not true action Action. there action (laughs) <laughs> there's a there's a super cut flying around that Catherine Lynn, the writer of that episode, oh. has of you just going action, 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 action. <laughs> yeah. I I try to call action in the tone that I want the scene to play it, and I'll call wow, okay. it a, in a quiet yeah. scene. I'll say and action. Oh, and a see. scene where I want juice. It's action, action. and because we were doing that comedy, it was like <laughs> yeah. fucking go crazy, crazy, crazy. Action, action, action. Yeah, I, I wasn't in any quiet scenes, so all I no. heard was action, 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 action. I was like, oh, I gotta run down the hall now. <laughs> and it got you running. Always, you. I yes. ran in every scene. I never stopped running, even when it didn't and make same sense. With, same with Jack. Yeah, we're just we're running. That's a big spoiler for the Stranger Worlds crossover: is only running <laughs> at all times. <laughs> He's got uh, a great character run. Yeah, he's oh. super funny. He's such a talented like oh. comedy actor. I hope he gets to do more comedy. Uh, Jonathan, you've you've written a novel called The Abductor's Conspiracy. No, let's stop right there. Oh. Okay. <laughs> this is a dreadful part of my past. You ready? Oh no. Okay. We don't have to talk about oh, no. it. No, no, I do. I, 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 whenever it comes up, I, I tell the truth. The <laughs> truth is. Part you said dreadful. Past. We don't have to do this to you. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's 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 out there. Um, I was offered a sum of money to lend my name to a novel, and the guy put the, my name on the front of the novel. At this point, I had a kind of a production company at Paramount, and my producing partner, Lisa Olin, read the novel and said, "You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it." So I took the money. The, the novel was called The Abductors, which I've never read. Only reason that it's so dreadful and painful is this. My father, who I quoted earlier to you, Tawny, yeah, who I adored, Dr. James R. Frakes, was English professor and, if that wasn't bad enough, a book critic for the New York Times and for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Wow. So worse than the worst thing you do as a, as a child or as a man or as a human being is plagiarizing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or or some, oh, no. right? Sure, right. sure. 
So I then sold my name to the cover of a novel that I hadn't written and have lived with the guilt. And my dad, of course, is dead now. So when the abductors comes up or when I'm at a convention, a guy comes and says, will you sign this? I said, I will, but I didn't write it and I didn't read it. You're so pure. You didn't even read it. You didn't even read it. You've still never read it. No, and I'm told it's fine and it's good, and I'm, I'm but I'm so embarrassed fine. about being such a fucking whore and taking the money to, to, to lend your name onto a novel. Look, we've all done things we're not proud of in this. Yeah, wacky but not business. not that offend your father's very right. soul. That's true. That's true. That'd be like if I if somebody was like, "Hey, we designed a new line of solar panels and I put my name on them and they were bad solar panels." My dad would be like, "My legacy." <laughs> He'd be real upset. Well, okay, so everyone don't rush out to your local indie bookstores to get the abductors or do Yeah, whichever way you go. I heard it's fine. <laughs> I heard it's fine, but they're gonna put that on the jacket on like a exactly. reissue. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, I heard it's fine. I don't know. Oh, this All right, has never well, been done before. The no, author, there's own, a good story. There's the author's name appears as a blurb on the back of the book. I've heard it's fine. The author, <laughs> the author. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my goodness. You've uh you've given us so many good podcast stories. The last thing I want to give to you is uh an opportunity to roast me or give us advice <laughs> for a couple of Star Trek crews first timers. What oh. is the advice? What do we do? What do we not do? Who do we hang out with? Tell us how to be the cool kids at the cool lunch table. The cool kids will be at the cool lunch table because all of the uh eating scenarios have roped off areas where only we are allowed. Whoa. Uh, buy the wine package. <laughs> <laughs> buy the wine package. Wait, does this cruise not come with wine, built-in wine? No. Mm, okay. The fans are great, and the fans have been told not to bug you in the elevator, and they generally don't. Okay. One of the best parts of the convention, or the convention, is the cruise, is that you're on a floor with only the people from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can... You wake up in the morning and there's a, like a public area and you can have your coffee and uh, your pajamas with what <laughs> used to be Renee. Renee Aubergine was always up first. Oh. And we sit and have coffee with Renee. Or you can go and there's this kind of group hot tub and Dr. Aaron, the uh, science. You know, yeah, Dr. Aaron, Aaron McDonald, our scientist. Aaron McDonald, yeah. yeah. And you see Armin and Kitty and you see, you know, it's, it's mm. um, the off-duty stuff is wonderful. I used to go to the spa yeah. with Brent. Oh, I love we'd that. We'd go, oh, we just sit there in incognito at the spa. It was a blast. <laughs> That's so fun. Johnny I can't Phillips wait. used to do a blue show, which I hope he does again, which is a midnight show that the children are not allowed into because it's so filthy dirty. Uh, that's very cool um i like that you think that you're gonna be uh quote unquote away from the fans but once i'm on that boat problem is i got my foot in both worlds i'm gonna be bothering everybody i will bother you in the elevator that's my privilege but i value your friendship oh this is wonderful oh this is wonderful to see i do i feel like i made a really new friend the moment i met her I do too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You and Gates too were so lovely to me in Vegas. That was my first Vegas and you really just made me feel like brought into the fold and yeah. Yeah, that drink we had in Vegas is what the breakfast is like on the cruise. Mm-hmm. I love it. I can't wait. At, does everybody get absolutely plastered and try to hump a Buddha statue in a sushi restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> Not that, well, it, 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 I don't know. Let's let's say yes. I don't know. Let's go Depends with yes. what statues are available, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's Tony. What what did Gates text text you a picture of something she she cooked? Um, what was it? Uh, oh, what was it called? It was like it wasn't a green bean casserole. It was something more oh. bonkers. It was like than a that. vegetable version of a meat thing. Yes, it was fennel, fennel, <laughs> yeah. fennel casserole. And I said, I don't understand. I don't understand. But I love that's you because so much. she yes, she adores you, and you did her podcast. She was so thrilled. Uh, her podcast is great. She's so engaged. <laughs> Boy, she does. She, she does some research. Diving. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We didn't and do this kind to, of research on you. I'm so well, sorry. Well, she, 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 oh, she goes off track. We stay off track. We don't. We never start on the <laughs> That's track. That's right. So that, <laughs> we can't find the track. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, 
but we we should let you go. We've asked too much of you. You're a delight. You make it very, very easy. Paul, it's nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. We really appreciate you taking the time with us. It's been uh, absolutely a joy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We love you. you. Peace out. Bye-bye. You're the best. (laughs) 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 Oh, where are we? Where in the world are we? I just woke up here. No, I woke up from a great dream I was having where we were friends with Jonathan Frakes. Tony, it's real. It's all real. It really happened. We had a great chat with him. Am I also made of licorice? Yes, you are. Oh boy, that's going to get difficult. (laughs) Would you rather be Red Vine's licorice or uh, Twizzler's licorice? I think Twizzler's licorice... Twizzler's licorice. Twizzler's seems, licorice. Twizzler's licorice seems this too... This is Orson Welles for Twizzler's <laughs> licorice. Would you rather be Orson Welles or Truman Capote for Twizzler's licorice? Oh, Orson Welles. I'd rather be Orson Twizzler. Welles for Twizzler's licorice, yeah. I mean, there's no... <laughs> it's really hard to say. <laughs> Twizzler, yeah. Twizzler's licorice. Twizzler's licorice by Orson Welles. Uh... <laughs> What are we talking about? That was a great talk with Jonathan Frakes. This is a great podcast where we tend to make sense. Yes. But it's not a mandate. No, it's it's good that we have guests because that's when (laughs) there's a third party who can make things coalesce into what sounds like a conversation. Yep. Yeah, they are the glue. Like we're just a bunch of loose ingredients. Exactly. They are the glue that makes this makes this craft project a, a real thing. They're, they are the glue, they're the fly trap, and we are the two flies that are just going around aimlessly until we get stuck in <laughs> coherent thought by a guest. Uh-huh, like a fly in amber. Well- So go the days of our lives. <laughs> nothing has made more sense than this. No, uh, well, no, I take that back. Our, our extended summer break made more sense- That's right. ...than this outro. Here's that the things that made the, the most sense. sense. Okay, uh, let's list them. Gettysburg Address. Yep. Our summer one. break. Yep. This outro. Yep. Well, there you have it. There you go. We love you all. Your top uh, three. We'll see you in 14 days. That's correct. Goodbye. Live long and prosper. Bye-bye. Happy. The Pod Directive is hosted by Tawny Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins. Executive produced by Gideon Bauer. Produced by Kendra James. And produced and edited by Kevin Bartelt. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.